Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Special uh, day four's in the bag, and we are just about to talk through the games. Uh, my name's Andy Madsen. I'm your host for this evening, and I'm joined this evening by James Rowe. Good evening. And Greg Kitchen. Evening, everyone. Uh, yeah, we were just talking before we kicked off here, guys. Um, a lot of people always go by the old adage that it doesn't feel like a World Cup until Brazil have played. Um, not only that, it tends not to feel like a World Cup until we get like our first shock result. And so we've actually been real lucky in that we've had both today. Um, but let's kick off with the, the, the game, which <laughs> perhaps unfairly is, uh, <laughs> is least significant in that regard. Um, Costa Rica taking on Serbia. Serbia winning this game 1-0 with a with a uh, Alexander Kolarov free kick in the 56th minute. Um, Greg, I'll come to you first on this. Um, Serbia, I thought, were fairly comfortable in this game. I don't quite know what game Patrice Evra and Henrik Larsson were watching, um, who both thought Costa Rica were the better team. I personally thought Serbia were, were fairly comfortable. Um, some people have Serbia pegged as, as dark horses, myself included. Did you see enough here to suggest that they could go far in this tournament? Well, there's certainly more quality than you um, expect from a Serbian team with the likes of Milinkovic, Savic. Kolarov has had such a fantastic season for Roma as well. Um, and then you've got the likes of Mitrovic, who you wouldn't say um, would be a star performer on a stage like the World Cup, but he's come into it in such good form. Um, they do have um, a reputation of being quite, you know, they're hard, hard men, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, that's how they're... Uh, perceived to be but there's some lovely technical players there um and they sorted costa rica aside pretty easily didn't they there was there wasn't too many threats to the serbian goal yeah that yeah uh james yeah as as greg says they, they do have actually have some some very good technical players and um the name that's been most hyped recently is obviously Lazio's Ersege Milinkovic Savic. Um, thought he started slowly but came on a game. Um, did you see enough in this performance to kind of justify the hype and the the supposed uh, transfer rumours to possibly Man United? Uh, you could see why you could see why such a thing is being muted because his passes always appear to be. Uh, to be well uh, well timed with good weight on it as well, so you can understand the reasons why. I thought Kayla Navas as well. He uh, made some good saves for Costa Rica, and Kolarov has got a hell of a hell of a left foot <laughs> and uh, fantastic fantastic free kick that he placed really really well. And uh, I think from Deadpool situations in this World Cup, you've seen uh, 
you've seen an awful lot of quality, but watching the Brazil game tonight as well, when players are shooting from long distance, it isn't half disappointing because the, the, rise, the balls are... The shots are rising and rising and rising all the time. And, and obviously from dead ball situations, you see that uh, that they appear to be on target and uh, and come to goals like Ronaldo and uh, Kolarov. But uh, I think the long ball shootings leave much, leaves much to be desired so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, I thought Serbia were very comfortable in this game. I think that you're right. They play some match with really nice football. Mitrovic, I think we have to talk about the fact that he missed two fairly guilt-edged chances. Um, he came into this tournament in really good form, as we've we've discussed here. You know, he had a great second half of the season for Fulham. Do you feel that? I mean, he's still a very young man. I think he's what 22, 23. He is still very young. And there's an awful lot to come, but I think that the coming off the back of the season he's had is uh, will be full of confidence. And as Greg as Greg says as well, there's a in that team of Serbia, there's like a hard streak in them, where they all want to fight and they all want to to give their all. And I think that may well, uh, I think it will see them uh, possibly see them through the group, and um, and be interesting to see how they how they go from there. I tip Switzerland to go through second. Mm-hmm. But you, obviously, with three points in the bag already, you know that will give them a lot of confidence going forward. Well, yeah. with the way the results have fallen so far, it's difficult for you to predict, you know, how sides like Serbia, Mexico, who I'm sure we'll get onto later, um, how they're going to go because the opening set of results so far has shown that maybe it's not going to pan out how we thought it would, and that um, certain teams that you thought would uh, win groups and they'd be on certain sides of the draw, you don't know how it's going to pan out. So they could be one of these surprises. You might, you may see a Mexico or a Serbia, you know, get to a quarter final, and then you never know what, that, what could happen. So it could be quite an interesting um, World Cup from what we've seen for, so far in the groups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quickly on Costa Rica. I mean, they they played okay. I, I don't think they did. I thought they they caused some problems early on and then kind of faded out of the game. Um, it feels to me, and I realise that this can both be a good thing and a bad thing, that it's pretty much the same team as it was four years ago when obviously they kind of shocked the world and reached the quarterfinals. Um, do you feel that the fact that that team is now four years older better prepares them to possibly qualify out this, or do you feel that this might just be one international tournament too far? I think they've lost that element of surprise to an extent. Because um, no one gave them a hope in that in that group four years ago of Italy, England, and Uruguay, which they ended up topping. That, and they were an unknown quantity, as much as you can be in international football at that point. But if you look at some of their key players um, from from that run in the in the last World Cup, you know Ruiz is he's never been a a good mover, has he? He's never been one to no. put in a, a massive shift. Now he's got four more years under his legs. Joel Campbell, who had such a good World Cup last time, has hardly played. Um, at all this season he didn't start today and even players like the fullback Gamboa who was at West Brom back in the last World Cup he's now at Celtic I don't think played this season so you yeah. think some of their, their key players aren't getting game time at club level um, and I think that's affected them a little bit this year Yeah James uh, Bolaños is, is kind of generally seen as their star player and Joel Campbell obviously tends to perform better at international level than he does at club level, unfortunately. Um, 
both players started from the bench today, either haven't seen a lot of game time, either through injury or just not being picked by their clubs. Um, do you feel that they can still contribute enough to help Costa Rica get through this group, or do do you think maybe they're just not quite at the level they need to be in that, bearing in mind they only have two games left, it's maybe too little too late? I think it may well be too little too late, but it just highlights the fact how well they did four years ago. To, mm-hmm. to, to top a group containing Italy, Uruguay and England and then to give uh, and then to win against Greece and then to really put the frighteners up the Netherlands because they had chances to win that game in extra time mm-hmm. and the game went to penalties and everybody knows about Tim Cruz heroics. So, but it just goes to show how 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 when you're an unknown quantity, you can go quite far. Also, the centre-back, uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez, I think he's a very good player. And I don't necessarily... He had a fantastic World Cup four years ago, and he's uh, there again this time. And I think he's uh, I think he's somewhat underrated, in my opinion. Yeah, again, I think Costa Rica were, were pretty solid. I mean, I don't think they were in a... Obviously, Mitrovic, as we talked about, missed those two good chances. Outside of that, I thought they defended pretty well. Um, and so it's really going to be a case of just seeing whether they can kind of maintain that level of intensity for another two games and, and hopefully sneak in in second. Um, just before we move on to the next game in the group, um, just to come back to Serbia for a moment, I was looking at their line-up today, and when you look at it, their two full-backs are Kolarov and Ivanovic, and then on the wings they were playing uh, Lajic and Dusan Tadic, who I actually thought was excellent today, but could better teams than Costa Rica possibly expose what seems a pretty obvious lack of pace on the wings? I mean, if you look at the the strong core they've got down the middle, particularly that midfield uh, with Matic and Milijevic, who had such a good season for Palace, um, the obvious um, chink in their armour is down the the flanks. So I think any team with um, um, pacey wingers will probably look to target that area. Um, I'd like to see, I know we'll probably get on to talk about Brazil in a minute, but the likes of Coutinho, Neymar running at, uh, at Ivanovic and Kolarov. As good as Kolarov's been this season, I think that is an area that teams will look to uh, take on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know, James, that you've obviously picked Switzerland to finish second in this group, although obviously Serbia now have a, a kind of jump on them. Do we both agree at this point that Costa Rica have probably, uh, probably already missed their chance at possibly sneaking out second? I think so, yes. I think considering who they still have to play, they would have harboured ambitions if they would have won this game. But uh, it's just uh, it wasn't meant to be and a tremendous strike by Kolarov. So it uh, be interesting to see how they approach their next two games. Uh, OK, so that's Costa Rica-Serbia. Serbia topping the group after this game. And that's because uh, we got somewhat of a, a kind of lesser shock in the second game in Group E, uh, the evening game, Brazil versus Switzerland, which ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, Philip Coutinho scoring a trademark, bending straight from outside the box in the 20th minute. Uh, Zuber equalising for Switzerland from a corner kick uh, in the 50th minute. Um James, I'll come to you first on this one. Brazil, I thought, worked great for the first 20 to 25 minutes. Um, showed some real good movement. Looked like they could go on after the goal, score two or three more. Why do you feel that didn't happen? Um, I thought the gaps in the midfield put pay to that and that they were going uh, going down the wings all the time where Marcelo wasn't getting any luck from Liechtenstein or whatsoever. 
uh, Neymar was was trying a little bit too much on his own. The first thing that struck me going into this game is the is the news that uh, Chichi will be rotating his captain for this World Cup, and he will look to have a new captain every game. And when you've got captain captain leadership like Thiago Silva, for example. And uh, and Miranda, you you can see that, but I'm not necessarily convinced about the captain uh, skills of Marcelo. But I just thought I thought the gaps in in midfield were telling. There was so much space in between um, in between the, in between their um, in between their attack and 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 the defence, where the, they, you just saw big. Uh, green spaces at times mm-hmm. and um, I just thought they could have been a bit more compact I, I thought the substitutions were really telling as well I thought you know to bring on Fernandinho and Elena Augusto um, and uh, right at the end Firmino I, I, I thought Firmino would come in a little bit earlier but uh, you know it's, an, it's, it's going to be a slow start for them but they'll look to, I think they'll look to grow into the competition uh, game by game yeah um, Greg James just mentioned Neymar there something that he's been accused of plenty of times in the past, possibly trying to do a little bit too much himself. In many ways, I felt that Coutinho's goal, almost to me, and it's it's a feeling I've had about Brazil heading into this tournament, although that's kind of been let down by tonight's performance, is that unlike four years ago, where it really did feel like if they lost Neymar, they lost that team, Brazil to me feel a little more able to deal with him having an off night or, or being absent altogether and Coutinho's goal to me kind of proved that um, how do you feel about that do you think Brazil are better placed this time to deal with a, a poor or absent Neymar or do you still think it's a case of they'll only go as far as he can take them I do think they're better equipped this year and I do agree with James that he was trying too much on his own there was one point halfway through the first half where he's He's got the ball down the left and he's turned back. He's beating his man once, beating him again. Then he's turned back and he's beating someone else until he's got found. And you just, there was a simple ball on three or four times. Um, and it got to the bit where he was just doing, um, he was almost taunting the defender and the co-commentator commented about, oh, about what he would have done to him um, if back in his playing days. Uh, but um, I think they are, I think they look better when Neymar wasn't, necessarily a part of of the move um if you look at William Jesus uh, Coutinho all very capable players if you look at what they had last time with Fred and an aging Fred up top and you've got Roberto Firmino off the bench um and the likes of Douglas Costa you know then um our new substitute I think today so they're definitely there's a bit more strength in depth there and I thought they looked a bit better when um, Neymar wasn't involved as much um, so, you know, if he does pick up an injury um, or he's having a bit of an off day, it's not the end of the world for Brazil, where four years ago it, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it was an odd game in that, you know, I think we, I think uh, Gary Neville kind of hinted at it at halftime was that he felt really sorry for Stefan Lichsteiner because, you know, you look down that wing and at points he was having to deal with Marcelo, Neymar and Coutinho. Uh, whereas the right wing almost seemed really underused, and in actual fact, I agree with you. I thought most of Brazil's good play in this game came when they tried to play it through the middle. I thought uh, they didn't use Gabriel Jesus anywhere near as much as they should have. Uh, Willie and barely touched the ball for large parts of the game. Um, but yeah, it, it, in the end, it, it didn't work out for them. Um, just before we move on from Neymar, um, 
we obviously know how what high regard he's held in in Brazil. He is now the world's most expensive footballer. He has the potential to be an all-time great. But for me, the difference between Neymar and some of the other all-time greats is that whereas those players have all got a little bit of the devil in them and that they've all got a bit of dig and so on, for me, too often, Neymar still it comes across as petulance. Um, is Neymar too petulant to end up an all-time great? Is that something he could change? I mean, I can't imagine what being the world's most expensive player, earning stupid wages, being clearly far and away the best player on your club uh, would do to a player, but it does seem to me that at times all of that's maybe come a little too soon for him. It's if if he was still 22, 23, you can kind of let him get away with being a little bit petulant, a bit like what Ronaldo was like at that age, mm-hmm. um, or Wayne Rooney. Um, but he's 26 now. You know, he's got to take, um, he's got to cut that out of his game. That uh, that almost arrogance that he knows he's better than everyone else, and he is. Let's be honest, he's one of the best players in the world. But his attitude uh, holds him back sometimes. Um, yeah, and I think all the all the pandering to him at um, PSG um, has just emphasised that and heightened it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, James, yeah, I, I don't know if you've got an opinion on that. Neymar, we, we know what he's capable of, but too often on the biggest stage, he, he seems to kind of regress a little. Is it, is, do you agree with Greg that at 26, if this hasn't changed now, there's, there's a chance that it won't? Um, I think that depends what happens to him at club level. I mean, if you look at club, if you look at him at club level, he's extremely driven. I mean, he left uh, Barcelona to eventually go on to win the Ballon d'Or because it's extremely important to Brazilian players that not only reach the highest level, but they come into contention for the Ballon d'Or. Now, Neymar would never come into contention for the Ballon d'Or if he's not the best team, if he's not the best player in his team at Barcelona, that that was not the case. Mm-hmm. So he so he deliberately sought a move and and went to Paris Saint Germain and 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 things have uh, he's won a lot of trophies so far. But whether he's will be in contention for Ballon d'Or remains to be seen. But I th- I think at club level he's extremely driven. But I think his future choices at club level, how long he stays in Paris, and if he does go to the link of um, he's been linked to Real Madrid as well. It's a, I think his choices at club level will dictate if if certain things get knocked out of his game and he goes on to mature in that respect. So that's a, there's a question mark over that for me and uh, and time will tell. Yeah. Um, it feels like we've talked for the longest time about Brazil and I, I have to apologise because it really does feel like we've ignored what actually turned out to be a very good performance from Switzerland, I thought. Um, a little t- toothless up front, I think, which would be a concern for me. But uh, in terms of organisation, and the fact that they were able to nullify a lot of Brazil's kind of forward-going threats, uh, and the fact that they were able to kind of create some chances, even if they weren't great chances, suggests to me, James, that you may be right that they're they're perhaps well-equipped to to qualify second in this group. Um, Does the lack of a real genuine goal threat cause you any concern in terms of that? Uh, no, because I think that the team ethic is so high and everybody works for one another and everybody knows their role that that will bring them quite far. I mean, you saw when Lichtsteiner was subbed, 
not only is he encouraging his, his substitute in terms of to, to go on and help finish the job, but he was also giving him advice as to what's happening in that defence. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was extremely, uh, I think, thought that was extremely t- telling. Uh, he brought on Petrovic brought on Beletimbolo, uh, who plays for Schalke, who's got an awful lot of pace, who can score goals as well. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they do have goals in them. I mean, their goal was scored by Subo, who plays for Hoffenheim, and uh, he got a little bit of luck with a push. But I think that the team effort in and the, and the equal respect they all have for one another, I, th- I think that will bring them quite far, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think it's also worth mentioning at this point. Um that I thought their central midfield pairing of Shaka and Barami were, were both excellent. Barami in particular, I thought, didn't give Neymar when he drifted inside a, a moment. Uh, very often pushed it up to the, the edge of legality, I thought, but that's what the kind of best destructive midfielders in the world tend to do. Shaka, I thought, after a, a slow start again, uh, kind of became the metronome that Switzerland needed at that point. Um, didn't misplace many passes, didn't play too many long passes, played a couple of decent long raking ones to, to Shakiri as the game went on, but generally kept it very simple. And uh, yeah, I thought Switzerland were well worth a point. Greg, um, I don't know who you had to finish second in this group, but Switzerland have surely left themselves in a, a pretty good place. Yeah, well, they've taken a point out of a game which they were expected to get nothing out of. Um, they were functional, they were um, steady, if not spectacular. Um, but there is some undoubted quality now. Um, Shakiri obviously hasn't had the best um, club season, but he's a very talented uh, footballer. Um, Barami, I'm shocked that he's still an international <laughs> footballer. Uh, but between him and Xhaka, uh, obviously Barami brings the experience. Xhaka brings um, a bit more of the talent. And then in Lichsteiner and Rodriguez, you've got two... Um, talented and seasoned fullbacks, and um, Sommer in goal was fantastic. That really assured. Um, so yeah, steady if not spectacular. I'm just a little bit worried that they are um, lacking um, up front. I mean, Harris Ferovic hasn't. He's not a prolific goal scorer. Never has been. Yeah. Um, and I'm just worried that um, for Switzerland that he isn't the player to, that will buy you to a quarterfinal or out of a really tight group. Yeah. Uh, so if they're going to fall short, it probably will be in that area. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, Group E, Serbia top it with three points. Uh, Brazil, Switzerland take up the, the next two places and Costa Rica sitting bottom. Uh, so we'll move on to Group F then. The first of the two Group F games was played this evening. Uh Germany versus Mexico, and I think we would probably classify this as the World Cup's first genuine shock. Uh, Mexico winning this game 1-0 thanks to a goal from Herving Lozano in the 35th minute. Um, James, I'll come to you first, partly because obviously Herving Lozano's come off the back of a really good season in uh, Eredivisie uh, for PSV. Um, Mexico themselves uh, entered this World Cup dismissed by many. Um, I've watched plenty of ESPN's coverage leading up to the World Cup and the general consensus there tended to be that Mexico were actually pretty awful. This was one of the worst teams they were bringing to a World Cup in a while. However, I think it was pointed out during commentary that if you look at Mexico's lead up to the World Cup, they, unlike many of the teams who qualified, actually took on really good opposition in their friendlies and their warm-up games. Um, 
I know it's one game. I know that it, teams can have bad games. Germany obviously came into this heavy favourites, but do you feel Mexico have been misjudged a little in this tournament? Are they actually better than perhaps people gave them credit for? Yeah, I, I think they have been misjudged. I think it's people, uh, I think ignorance in some quarters when people think the same countries qualify due to the uh, perhaps uh, nature of their qualifying campaigns in Central America that they always manage to qualify. And when if you look at the, the creativity that they have, especially towards the front of their team with Leon, with uh, Vela, with Hernandez and with Lozano, they, they definitely can surprise people. And in the case of Hervin Lozano, he's been a, a huge part in PSV's Eredivisie title-winning season this past season. And he scored 17 goals and uh, was a constant threat in all of the games and, and really and really was, um, really was did exceptionally well to adjust as quickly as he did. But PSV picked him up from Pachuca in uh, Mexico and it's testament to the scouting of, uh, of PSV behind the scenes, especially in Central and South America where they managed to pick up gems on a regular basis, even going back into the days of when they got Alex playing for them in the, about, about 10 years ago. But that was a, the man was a tank and he ended up at Chelsea as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's testament to the scouting of PSV that they managed to pick up such a player for such a price. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a tremendous finish by uh, Lozano. And I thought it was a real team effort for Mexico to, to get in front and to stay in front and, and to work together. And uh, also to the, to the manager as well, Sadio, with his, uh, with his tactical changes and the belief they showed throughout the whole game once they got their lead, that they would keep it. It's a, it's a shock, as you say, but it's a, a fully justified victory, in my opinion. Yeah, Greg, um, Germany, as I said, came into this heavy favourites, but it just seemed that they never quite got to grips with the way Mexico were set up and also Mexico's pace, which I thought made a real difference. Um, in that first half in particular, and again, this was kind of highlighted in the, the kind of halftime show, was that Germany seemed to have far too large a gap between the defence and the midfield. Uh, Sammy Kadira, who I think many expected to sit in, was often quite cavalier in terms of his runs and so on. Who do you hold responsible for that? Is that is that the fault of the players who are all, to bear in mind, all experienced players that should have the discipline? Or does Yogi Love need to take some of the, the responsibility for that, particularly first-half performance? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, like you said about the, the two with Kadir and Cruz, you'd expect them to, to sit and dictate play. Uh, and if one goes, the other stays. Uh, but they just bombed on. Like they expected, they thought they had it in the back, I think. Their attitude looked like that they thought, we'll, we'll canter to a 2 0 win here. Um, you know, they believe their own hype. Um, and then from a, a Yogi Love um, point of view, I thought their their back line was so poor and all over the place that that must be something that's gone wrong on the training ground. Um, there was more than one occasion Jerome Boateng was you know three four yards deeper than everyone else, um, playing people on um, playing people on side. Obviously, I know they are weak. Their weakest area is fullbacks, isn't it? I mean, Kimmich is a good player, um, uh, but he was. He, I know he scored in both legs against Real Madrid. Uh, but he was found lacking at times defensively and um, uh, playing hard at uh, left back. Obviously, he's not had a he's a functional left back, but he's not he hasn't torn up trees in the Bundesliga this year. 
Um, and so I think it's a little bit of both there. That the back line had such gaping holes and it just looked disorganised. That must be something that hasn't been properly addressed on the training ground. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're, if we're being completely honest here, as much as Germany were better in the second half and, and possibly could have scored, should have scored on a couple of occasions, and obviously Julian Brandt had that pretty spectacular uh, effort that came off the post late on. But these are, Mexico, to me, showed no fear, which is obviously what you hope that many of the kind of, I don't want to say smaller nations, but in terms of prestige and history and so on, you know, Mexico are a smaller nation than Germany. Um, have, have Mexico provided a blueprint on how to beat the bigger teams? Because this, this wasn't, this to me didn't strike me as a fluke. This struck me as this was the game plan they went in with. They loaded up the team with pace. They exploited almost every counter and opportunity. Uh, attacking opportunity they had. You could argue that Mexico were perhaps lucky to escape with a win simply for the fact that they themselves missed a number of chances. Um, should this give heart to kind of some of the smaller nations in this tournament that they can go and play some of these bigger teams and, and come away with something? I hope it does, and it definitely should do. And I think in the case of Germany as well, I think it's it goes for a lot of pundits and a lot of press where when you look at the, the, the breadth of this World Cup and the teams involved, that people are sticking to the tried and tested names and the tried and tested countries. And uh, it's just my personal opinion, fellas, but I thought Germany were very, very lucky to win the World Cup four years ago especially in the final against Argentina with the chance of Higuain. Mm-hmm. Also, when they played at Algeria, they, they struggled an awful lot and that could have very well gone south. And I think that people were far too quick to praise uh, Germany to the high heavens. Yes, they have an absolutely fantastic setup, But um, I think um, I think Greg made a, a point earlier when we were discussing Germany-Mexico that they maybe the players in this instance today have believed their own hype a little bit, and I think I think Greg's spot on with that um, with that observation. So it'll be interesting to see how the um, other teams uh, take heart from this and, and maybe use it as a blueprint. And um, it, it should definitely be uh, something they think about because if you get at them, you can, as Mexico showed today, you can uh, you can get a successful result. Uh... Greg, Germany, we, we, we talked about their defensive set up there and how that was found lacking. The other area they struggled in, obviously, was was up front. You know, they didn't create a huge amount of what you would call clear-cut chances. Um, Timo Werner has come off the back of a pretty spectacular season for RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga. However, he's very much used to playing in a team where a lot of his goals come from him being able to use his pace on the counter-attack, uh, Werner the Berner, uh, Berner, I think, is one of his nicknames. He's, he's extremely quick. Germany clearly aren't set up to play that way. Is Timo Werner the right fit in this team as it's constructed at the moment? Well, I don't think... Um, if you look at their squad, I don't think they've got much choice. Um, mm-hmm. We've got Gomez um, as an option off the bench. But uh, other than maybe Müller as a... A false nine. They haven't got too many options. They're going to have to persi- uh, persist with Werner, even if he doesn't quite fit the um, 
the style of play that Germany uh, are going with. If you look, they've got Muller, um, Ozil and Draxler have started today. None of them are renowned for their pace. They're more technical players, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So you'd expect the service to be good. Um, and considering the number of goals he scored this season for Leipzig, you'd expect him to be able to finish um, chances if given to him. So I'd say I think he will score a few couple of goals this tournament um, and he's worth persisting with, even if he doesn't fit necessarily the style of play. He's obviously he can finish and there should, uh, those types of players should create enough chances for him. Uh, yeah, I picked Werner, the actual finished top goal scorer in this tournament, so I hope you're right in yeah, that one. I'll serve a few quid on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, just before we finish up, I'll, I'll quickly ask you both, are we worried about Germany at this point? Do we still expect them to get out of the group, or is there the potential here for uh, either Sweden or South Korea to, to perhaps cause a real upset and sneak in at their expense? I still expect Germany to uh, go through, but it's difficult to see a situation where um, they... Uh, they don't win it. They they they, they win it now because if you look at Mexico, they just need a point against Sweden and they should beat South Korea because South Korea look awful uh, by all accounts. So that's seven points and um, obviously Germany are now capped at six. So um, that could end up for an interesting uh, set of second round games. Yeah, James, how, how do you feel about Germany at this point? Will they will they get out of the group? I think they will. I think they'll. I think this will be a wake-up call for them, and I think um, I think Lowe, with all his experience, will uh, will make sure that they um, that they get across the line. And um, yeah, I think Greg's right. They could very well end up going through second, but I uh, I still can't see them not going through. So uh, I think they'll. I think this will be a big wake-up call for them, and uh, you'll see a different Germany next time out against Sweden. Okay, so that's been day four, guys. Uh... Interesting day, just to recap again, Serbia beat Costa Rica 1-0, the top uh, Group E, after Brazil and Switzerland played out a 1-1 draw, and Mexico produced the first real shock of the tournament so far, beating Germany 1-0, thanks to a goal from Harvin Lozano. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow, uh, we'll have a new team in to talk about England's first game in the tournament, so there'll be plenty to talk about there, I'm sure. We'll also have uh, the second game in Group F, Sweden versus South Korea, and we'll also have Roberto Martinez's Belgium going up against Panama. Um, Guys, James, I'll come to you first, if anybody wants to kind of discuss football or today's results with you, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me on Twitter at at JamesRowNL. And Greg, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at Greg Kitchen. Okay. Uh, you can find me at Site Tyson. And of course, you can always tweet the Man on the Post uh, Twitter account at Man on the Post. Uh, that's been it, guys. Thanks for joining me. Uh, so I'll say goodbye to James. Yeah, goodbye. And Greg. See you later. And always remember to keep your Man on the Post. Uh-huh.